if I was an artist or a graphic designer like Denver, which I'm not, and I had to draw a picture to describe the market in today's show, it'd be a bull. And the bull would have a bunch of scratches on it, bleeding from the mouth a little bit. And the bears would kind of look the same way. You know, maybe it's scratching its leg or something like that. Because that's what it's been. It's been a battle of the bulls and the bears this week. No better example. Pre-market trading yesterday. They crushed it. Bring it back intraday. And then Tesla takes us down later in the day. Coming down to the lower end of like a 10-day trading range. We'll see what Triple D and Mitch think. You guys know what I think. Cover earnings from Deer, DraftKings, Door Trash. We're going to cover it all. We're going to help you guys end the week and get your three-day weekend started. Let's go, Mitch. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. Welcome to the final trading day of the week here, February 17th. SPs, a week close, week pre market session down 25 and a quarter handles at 40.74.50. The buck's not helping thing up 74 cents, 104.53. What is the bond market trying to tell us here? Down 20, 30 seconds at 124 and 30, 30 seconds. What's the crude oil market trying to tell us? Down 248 at 76.27. <laughs> Gold going with everything else. Down 16 bucks, 1835.70. Silver moving in on the 21 handle, down 35 cents at 21.35. And Bitcoin futures, they're down $730 at 23,910. I'm going to bring in Triple D and I'm going to I'm going to pose a question uh to him today. And I know you do a lot of trading and you look a lot of different stuff, right? But where do you think S&P Spider is from where we were from last Friday's close? Don't look. Where do you think we are? I'm thinking, just because you brought this question up, I'm thinking we're in the same spot. Just about. Just Just about about the same spot. (laughs) I didn't look, but I just kind of thought about this. And you know what would be really do the most damage to everybody who's got a really big bull case or a really big bear case just continue to chop up and go sideways and you know who benefits the most from continuing to chop up and go sideways do you guys know guys and girls in the chat do you know who benefits the most from the chop don't tell them don't tell them let's don't tell them don't tell them come on 30 days free subscription to benzinga pro for the first one who gets it right well, we could we could, actually Dave, we could take Dave, but Josh, I was thinking market makers. Josh Weber. Oh, we have such a smart chat. Everybody knows. The algos and the, makers. and the market makers. 
you're exactly right. And me. Yeah, I, I actually do pretty good in chow too. But <laughs> but uh the market makers. That is that isn't money Mitch, right? No, no, the double M definitely money makers. <laughs> so why not? <laughs> the market makers. Why not continue to give, you know, the, the the scratch battles to the bulls, you know, the injuries to the bulls and the injuries to the bears. Why not continue to chop the hell out of this market for the foreseeable future? Because you know what? The bulls aren't grabbing it by the horns. The bears aren't grabbing the bulls by the horns. They, nobody wants to take the lead here. So let's just chop. Let it just continue to chop and chop and chop and chop. And you know what? How do you make money along with those market makers? It's by fading moves, taking the little gains. I mean, and what is you know the better example than just looking you know yesterday at all those growth stocks a day before the rally in 5, 10, 15%. Yahoo! Yahoo! And then all of a sudden, boom, the rug pull, and they start to go back down. Just the Affirm, even, you know, an example. Rally is up 10%, gives it almost all back in the last day. 24 hours later, gives it back. So you've got to take the gains while you have them, or the market will take them for you. I'm not calling bullish. I'm not calling bearish. I'm calling chop and sideways action for the foreseeable future. I think you got buyers in the, in the 400, 402 area spy. You got all kinds of overhead resistance up at 413, 415 now. So why not just continue to chop us up? What do you think, Money Mitch? Yeah, I go to, I go to Money Mitch on this one. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just that's what so. this market likes to do, really, is that when you start finally getting a lot of traders leaning on one side, that's where the pain starts coming, right? And it seems like we keep getting that chop zone. Now, the big thing I need, I think we need to start watching is some of the biggest high flyers starting to turn around, right? We've talked all about Tesla. We've already started to see the action this morning. Will this get to holding? I'm looking at the 9 EMA. That's 198.90s. It still hasn't broken that since we, I mean, we, we haven't been below that since January 6th. So I'm just keeping with the trends. I think you got to keep with the trends right now until they're broken. But we're definitely getting that real hard test to that trend. And we'll look to see if we get the bigger pullback today. Um, and I don't think you're going to get the bigger pullback today. I think you just had it. I think you just had it. I think you're going to continue. Joel might have been right, man. You see, I, you know. As, well, I think as, Joel's going to end up being right. And that's a different conversation. But maybe Joel's <laughs> right, you know. And maybe Joel's right just because we continue to just chop up and go nowhere. You know, we yeah. got up there. Joel thinks the high of the year is in. Do you still, you're sticking with that, Joel? High oh, it's helping. You know, I, it, to the action over the last two days is certainly helping me because they, they had me shaking. They had me shaking on that rally on Wednesday. They had, you know, not shaking, but I mean, I had my areas. He was going. I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, you never know. But this is what I'm going to say. I mean, we've had a, you know, a, we go back and forth a lot. Uh, one thing is, is the longer you hang out at the one end of the range, right, then there's more of a chance that it's going through. And here we are, pre-market low, 63 and a quarter, last week's low, 60.75. Uh, we're currently trading nine handles off. Of, I, I'm a little, I, I think. I don't think you're going to get as many as those rip roaring rallies over 4,100 now. I think you're going to have to bring your offers down. And I see that I, I see that the support just kind of wavering here. So I think, you know, and, and what we'll do is we'll come down and we'll go to like 40, 30, and then we'll rally back up to 40, 80. Yeah. But I think, I think you're going to have to do a different reset on your range. I think yeah. it's fine to take a shot here. 
on the long side saying, yep, this, you know, this has been going on for two weeks now. I'm, I know exactly what to do. But I think there comes a time when you break through the range and then, you know, there's not much resistance, uh, not much support if you take out last week's low. So I'm still sticking with my uh, year end theme. I will, you know, do my reevaluations over the. I'm probably not going to change over the three day weekend unless we have like a absolutely crazy rally. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, we're starting to hang out at the at lower end of this range, and I just don't think the news flow is. I mean, that's the other thing, Dennis. Is like the new. I know the growth stocks rallied and they've held us up, but like the inflation numbers have not been good. I don't, you know, earnings have been okay. I just, you know. I just, I don't, I can't do this rah-rah thing. I just can't, and I can't lean on 39.50, you know, as a stop-out point, a thousand handles. But um, that's where we stand. We have a, a guest coming on at 8.20, unless you guys want to make, uh, you know, any other broad market comments, we can go this on. It's going to go to Bullard there, Bullard comments, right? Yesterday, I think were very important. Stocks were under pressure following those comments. Of course, Bullard is a hawk, but he said that he backed a 50 basis point interest rate hike at the central bank's previous meeting, and he would not rule out that rate increase in the March meeting. So if you look at the CME FedWatch tool, we were at a 98.8% chance of a 25 basis points on the 1st of February. Now we're at a 21% chance of a 50 basis point at the next meeting. And so if there's something that's changed, I think that's what's changed. 50 basis points is on the table. I think the market always likes to punish the maximum amount of participants and the way to do that is to go nowhere because you've got people who are bullish people who are bearish but not a lot of people who are just neutral not a lot of people who just think we're going to sit here and shop around i'm in that camp i think when we look at this s p one month from now right before the next cpi number we're still going to be in the same 403 to 413 area and I think it's going to be so much chop. You're going to be, going to be like today. Maybe we're going down to 403. Like, we're going to break through 4,000. We better get out. And then all of a sudden, they pry back up again. And then we, we get up to the 412, 413 on some, you know, some crazy movement, you know, something next week. And then right, we've got to buy it. And then they're going to bring it back down. I think we, we chop up and continue to chop up. And that's how I'm playing it. Buying dips, shorten reps until further notice. And uh, just on the commodity watch here, um, you know, I, I don't know, and I'm gonna have to do a little bit more research today on you know all the different components of the of the you know the CPI and inflation. But you know, I think a lot about commodities and food prices, and these charts aren't they're not looking bearish. I mean, this corn has had you know a very nice move up near the high of the move. Soybeans that's had a big move. That's doesn't look like it's getting ready to pull back. You've had price inflation's coming back. Yeah. But you we won't it. know that because the market anticipates nothing. So we won't even get a sniff for that really till the next CPI. I mean, that's because you get these little numbers, but, you know, and we get jobless claims and we can look at different things. But for the most part, it's a CPI. We got uh-huh. like three and a half weeks here before the next CPI or four weeks before the next CPI number. So, and then you look, we're out of earnings season. Like we're coming towards the, I know retailers are going to report. We're going to get Walmart, oh, Home right. Depot. Right. You know, it. we're getting it. NVIDIA does report. And it always reports late. So it reports next week too. But you're coming into the retail earnings season, and then it's quiet for like five, six weeks of quietness as you start to come out of the earnings season. 
So there's just this period where maybe we don't get a heck of a lot of, you know, crazy news coming out. And maybe we just continue to chop up. So that's what I'm predicting. I'm predicting sideways. I would love for you to be right. I would, you know why? Because we do have a catalyst coming in March besides the CPI. And we, what we have is we have a triple witch. And a lot of times those are turning points in the market, right? They can be, yes. Uh, big, yeah. I mean, not as much as in the past, but I would love to see us like sitting up at like 4130, 4140, not breaching those highs and then coming to a nice wild expiration and, and, and see, you know, go with the expiration. But um, speaking that's of expirations, remember away. it's options expiration here today as well. It's, yes. not, a, it's not a triple right. wedge, but they can still be influential here. So just remember that sometimes you get some wild opens, some wild closes, some wild wild swings after the opens, even some wild swings into the close. So just remember that it's often a good day to have your order out there just in case, you know, just in case you get some crazy institution jockeying their equity positions against their open option position. Maybe they give you a good price and a good out on your stock. It's not a bad day to have your order out there. All right, let's get to some stock action. Let's go to the stock that definitely caught a uh, headline yesterday and started getting hit, which was Tesla, of course, right? Let's get towards that stock here. Tesla voluntary recalling 362,758 vehicles and warned that an experimental driver's assistance software marketed, of course, full self-driving beta may cause crashes. This now the algos ran with it. Go ahead, yeah. Dennis. You make your broad comment. Uh, yeah, this was, the, this was the catalyst that turned over all the growth stocks yesterday. As soon as you saw this, and again, you know, they have ignored these in the past, but this was a big one. You know, 386,000 cars, and it hammered Tesla. This, this, this news broke, and Tesla obviously lost 20 bucks almost. You know, going from the top to where it is trading now at 199. Not 20, so like 16 points were down from where we were. So they, they hit this. This was significant. Um, again, I, I saw it and I was day trading it and I was already getting out of it. I got out of two sixteen nineties and I had a little piece left and it was looking great. I was like, well, Tesla looks like it could get all the way up there to two twenty today. And all of a sudden, boom, they just started hitting it hard towards yeah. the end. Yeah. And they, and they rolled over. You can bring up any other growth name if you want all the names in the Kathy portfolio yep. there. They all rolled over with this. So, mm -hmm. and the broad market rolled over with it as well. It did. I mean, this brought the market down. So if you're looking for why we went down yesterday after we were holding up fairly well, don't look any further than Tesla. It's one of your leaders of the market here right now. It led us the entire month of January, continues to lead. So as it break, broke down yesterday, um, the market followed suit. Now, again, I don't think this is something that, you know, you're not bringing in these 380,000, you know, Teslas to the shop. This is going to be a fix that they can do a software fix. So they can mm -hmm. just send this, you know, fix over. Obviously, you know, they're, they don't have to bring them in. So it's not like it's going to be a huge expense here. So I do think it's a little bit overdone in that case. So it wouldn't surprise me if they turn this thing after the open today. Right. As we said, you know, the algos don't know whether you got to take it into the shop or not. But uh, huh. when you when you see these kind of moves uh, and this this has been working out pretty well, I think, in some of these growth stocks, uh, if let's make I don't even know if you could call a bottom, though, off, off this yet, because it just made the high yesterday. Um, I look at support. The pre-market low is down at uh, 190. 
196.74. That was the after hours low, and now we've climbed back. So we're four bucks above that. I'll keep an eye on it. Next daily low, I man, the 190s. I mean, 189.44. I mean, I think a lot of this is going to be market dependent, but there's a pair of lows just under 190. If you're looking for a target on the downside uh, for today, be, beyond the pre-market low, but uh, right now. Looks like the battle of 200 in Tesla. And I just, what time, I just wanted to look what time that news broke yesterday. That news broke um, at uh, actually 1243. Actually, the market still hung in there for a while, Dennis. This is where you had it in the Tesla. This is where, you know, the news broke. But uh, the spiders and the S&Ps, they still are hanging up. Uh, uh, near the highs of the pre-market session uh, going into the final hour. You still had a shot on that one after Tesla rolled over. But uh, once the 3 o'clock traders came back to their desk and they're like, hey, what was that CPI? What was that PPI number? Oh, we got a three-day weekend coming. Sell, 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 sell. But uh, you want to get to, it's 818. You want to do the deer earnings before our guest? Maybe just can we get, is Paul ready? I, I'm not sure. He doesn't have a camera on right now, so let's give him a. He's, a yeah, I don't. Two. I'm not sure if he's going to have a camera today. Okay, so then he's probably just audio. He's probably ready to go. If, if yeah, let's bring him on. All right, let's go ahead. Let's do that. Let's get to our guest team. Smash the like. Paula Monica, digital correspondent over at CNN, a longtime guest of the show, one of the best followers on Twitter. I'm telling you, the guy has humor. He talks about the little buzzes. Paul, how you doing today? Good, thanks. Yes, yeah, sorry, I'm not on the camera. I got some allergy issues going on. You don't need to see me. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, you know, there's a battle of the bulls and the bears here. And um I mean, I guess I don't. The Bulls are winning for the year. It's obvious, right? Because we, we had a great January, but the Bears, man, they're they're trying to dig in. Uh, they've had some fodder this week. You think that they really could have, you know, really hurt this market? It's still Friday, right? And so we still have a whole nother trading day. But uh, Dennis, I, everyone, we're just impressed that you know after this January rally, outsides gains, we're we're still holding up here. Uh, what's your thought on the overall market? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that we're still holding up, but we, we could have a, a steady slide back as reality seems to be setting in that inflation isn't going away as quickly as many has hoped. I mean, the, the good news, if you want to call it that, is that inflation not receding to the point that the Fed would like might mean more Fed rate hikes, but they'll probably still be slow and gradual we're not looking hopefully at any sort of major exogenous shock that's going to make the market plunge. My, my worry is that we just have this slow, steady trickle down, you know, pulling back from those really strong gains in January, unless we finally start to see those inflation uh, figures look better and people will get excited again about a possible Fed pause later this year. Paul, how are you feeling like sentiment out there? You talk to a lot of different um, money managers there. And I mean, I on Twitter, you're on Twitter. We see a lot of opinions and I feel, I feel like it's really a battle here. There's people who are giving good arguments for the bull camp that stocks are oversold. 
inflation has been ticking down. Eventually, the Fed, you know, may have a pivot. And then the other argument is, well, wait a second, though. You know, the last couple data points on CPI weren't that great. And, you know, corporate earnings are coming down. And eventually this market's going to roll over again. It just feel like there's like everybody is like, you know, got a bull case or a bear case. I've been arguing that we just continue to chop everyone up and go sideways here. But what do you feel like? What are you hearing out there? Like, what do you think we're, you know, the market is leaning bullish? The market is leaning bearish? Or is the market just, you know, all over the place? Yeah, I think it is all over the place. Uh, I agree. I think that there are a lot of reasonable arguments for why we uh, put in a bottom maybe last year in those first nine months of the year when things were really, really awful. We had that nice rally in October, November, December, things pulled back a little bit, but then a, you know, a, a good uh, return of the bulls in, in January. I agree that it's definitely encouraging to see most companies are reporting decent, if not spectacular earnings, interest rate hikes don't seem to be uh, making a huge impact on consumer spending just yet. We saw those very strong retail sales numbers for January, a rebound after a bit of a pullback in November and December. But what worries me is that we just have this return to speculation again. I mean, a lot of big tech stocks are, are rallying. The meme stocks are having uh, another run. You're seeing, uh, you know, despite what happened with FTX, people feeling maybe the bottom's in there and Crypto has bounced back. Coinbase is one of the hottest stocks of the year. So I'm a little nervous that we've got too much froth kicking in again, but I'm always nervous. <laughs> you kind of like me. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, what about just overall reaction to earnings season? I mean, there's so many free passes out there. Now, the last time, I mean, this kind of equates to, uh, uh, what was it? Would it have been Q2, Q2 of... Um, of 2020, right? Or Q1, Q2 coming out of the pandemic. Coming out of the pandemic, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, everyone knows this is going to be bad. Oh, this company lost $47. Bye, 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 bye. I mean, I kind of feel, you know, when, when the street, you know, ignore, I mean, at that point, they were right. We ended up getting, you know, we ended up getting out of things, you know, through, uh, through different ways. But have you ever seen the street just give such a free pass? And let's say even they have good earnings guidance. It's this this guidance has not been good, and this is already when we're trading at a high valuation. Can you can you bring out in your years of covering the markets? Can you can you bring back to a similar period to kind of price action off earnings? It, it, it is a bit curious that uh, the guidance you know it hasn't been awful, but it hasn't been as good as you would have. Right. I think that there is definitely, and this worries me a bit, uh, some element of a bad news is coming, but that'll be good news for the markets because I think, you know, investors are, some investors are still clinging to the hope that the Fed doesn't just pause later this year, but that the economy slows enough because of inflation and the rate hikes that already have been put into place that the Fed has to actually reverse course and start cutting rates uh, at the end of this year. I think that might be a bit naive. I don't think that this Fed wants to do that. The, the Jerome Powell really seems to be stubbornly sticking to the notion that he's going to be the second coming of Paul Volcker and he's going to kill inflation if that winds up uh, you know, uh, causing a, a shallow recession. So be it. He's not going to let inflation come back under his watch. So 
I'd be a little worried that we're uh, ahead of ourselves. All right. Uh, moving on to more current things. <clears throat> uh, the DoorDash, you know, has the earnings today. Uh, Blast, uh, looking at that report, looking at the market's reaction. Uh, and, any comments on DoorDash? Yeah, DoorDash, uh, you know, seems like the uh, the good news is that uh, people are still, uh, you know, ordering a lot of takeout. That's that's good news, I think, for Uber. We've seen that with their earnings. Uber Eats seems to be doing, uh, you know, extremely well. So, you know, I think the, the DoorDash numbers were uh, about as solid as uh, you could expect. And, yeah, the stock's uh, acting accordingly, looking like it's, uh, you know, up a little bit this morning on the news. How about Etsy? Now, I uh, uh, haven't heard from Citron Research. In, in fact, I uh, maybe have to dial up Andrew because I didn't think that he was uh, uh, doing any more short reports. And I don't know if, uh, what you consider his thing on Etsy, but uh, saying it's the uh, largest marketplace of counterfeit, counterfeit goods, uh, the market certainly took it to heart. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, anytime Andrew says something uh, negative about a stock, uh, we've definitely seen that kind of knee-jerk reaction to any uh, series of Citron tweets and big reports. Uh, you know, uh, he's got a pretty good track record. He's not always right, but we will see, you know, whether or not uh, what Etsy's response uh, to this is going to be. If I'm not mistaken, they report earnings uh, next week. I think it's February 22nd, so it should be very fascinating to see if the company's biding its time and waiting until earnings to maybe come back with a more detailed point by point uh, you know response counterpoint rebuttal of what uh, citron is uh, alleging uh, at etsy but uh, yeah i mean it's unfortunate i think for anyone that's long in a stock that citron goes after but you really can't uh, ignore any of his reports uh, you've got to you know at least look into it and see whether or not there might be some real uh evidence there of uh you know uh something that might push the stock lower hey paul i'm gonna jump in here i wanted to ask you about the buzzword of the year ai where should we be looking for opportunities and is this truly an opportunity for maybe let's say like bigger companies like microsoft yeah i mean i i think that uh you know what we're seeing with some of the uh high profile uh mess ups uh with uh, you know Bing and uh, the Alphabet Google uh, chat so far, that this is going to be a work in progress. The market seems to be betting right now that Microsoft is uh, going to be an emerging uh, leader, thanks to their uh, investment in the company that has the Chat GPT bot, that is the one that seems to be the most buzzy, most ubiquitous right now. I think this is still. You know the very early stages i don't know if ai is a big enough business to make a difference uh, for the long term for for microsoft google other large cap techs I mean, it'd be interesting to see what apple amazon some others eventually do in here but you know there definitely seems to be smaller companies that are, are moving on this uh you know and i think investors need to be a little careful i wrote a story uh you know recently about how c3.ai and Big Bear, SoundHound, some of these other smaller companies that have AI as part of their business. You know, I, I don't think it's a, a fad. It's not going away. And I think it does have the potential to make some big changes in uh, you know, how uh, you know, uh, we do business writ large. But uh, anytime there's a lot of hype about a shiny new object, investors need to be careful. 
Yeah, the question would be, right, is AI going to be like also like the metaverse where it just comes in and out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Facebook uh, changing its name to Meta Platforms going in all all in on uh, the metaverse. They've had some mixed results there. I mean, I do feel that artificial intelligence, there are more uh reasonable arguments to be made as to why this can help big businesses and that could be something that would lead to uh, you know an emergence of companies in this sector that would thrive and survive i think it doesn't strike me as much of a faddish sort of flavor of the month type of thing. Hey, Dennis, just real quick. Sorry, Paul. Stuff. Dennis, heads up on this 830 yep, number. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead. Phil. No, no, Finish no. With, yep. with your trade. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to throw one more thing in here. We'll get to the LEI here in one second. Uh, the thing that bothers or, you know, me the most about this market, and you know, I'm S&P centric, and that's pointed out a lot. Uh, these big top components, you know, Apple's hanging in there, but Microsoft, Google, and Amazon. I mean, to me, it's it's going to be so much harder for the market to ratchet back up the old high highs because these stocks have had their big, you know, they've had tremendous runs. They're now in overhead supply. And what's keeping us afloat has been like this, the secret rotation or, you know, ro ro you know, everything rotating in and out. Um, what do you think might be the catalyst where like everyone is just like. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's watching the, any inflation numbers and what that's going to mean for the Fed and uh, and more rate hikes, um, you know, can they stick? I mean, I think, that, you know, the reason why we've had these market jitters the past couple of days is that the inflation numbers have been hot enough that you're starting to hear some Fed members. Admittedly, the ones that are more hawkish and don't have votes this year uh, are talking about how they supported half point rate hikes, uh, you know, uh, earlier this month and might do so again in March. But again, you know, J James Bullard at the St. Louis Fed does not have a current vote on the FOMC, so he can talk as much as he wants. The meetings about how long the Fed should consider a half point rate hike, but you know if he doesn't have a vote, I think that narrative is what's you know really pulling the market along right now. People are wondering, you know, okay, we have to get used to the notion that the Fed isn't going to pause anytime soon. Now we're starting to adjust to a possibility that the Fed may not be able to stick to these quarter point hikes and could have to escalate and go back to half point hikes if Powell is really serious about uh, nipping inflation in the bud. And, and what's interesting, too, with Lael Brainerd now making her move to be President Biden's top economic advisor, she's been more, you know, typically among the more dovish Fed members. It's going to be interesting to see if her replacement as vice chairman, is that going to be someone that's also very hawkish? I think mm. the market may not like that if you have a vice chair. Because, you know, Powell is probably not going to get a third term. It's possible Fed chairs typically get two terms. And who knows who's going to be nominating the next Fed chair? Is it going to be President Biden if he uh, runs for re-election and wins? Is it going to be another Democrat? Is it going to be a Republican? There, there's a lot of questions about the future of the Fed. You know, that it would have been seemingly obvious that Lael Brainerd was Jerome Powell's successor that may not be so clear now that she's got this different job coming up. Interesting to note there. Appreciate you like always bringing something extra. Like always, you guys can follow Paula Monica. I definitely do so. So we'll have you back on, Paul. It's always good to have you on. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Take care.
All right, let's get back to the markets. Joel will be with us in just a second. Looks like he had a little bit of some mic issues. So let's get back to the markets. And we did get right there some numbers to hit. Doesn't look like they moved this much there. You didn't see much movement on that, right? No, we didn't really. And again, it was um, price. What was it? Price. uh, Uh, We got some imports numbers. We got uh, exports coming in there. January 0.8 versus a negative 0.2 estimate. Import prices month over month was in January negative 0.2 versus a negative 0.2 estimate. So coming in line prior was 0.4. And I don't think these did much, as you guys can clearly see the market. We did. We, we, we came up a little bit, a couple of points here, but we really aren't doing much off this number. So Yeah. And, and I don't know if you saw, did you see any wide action there for a second or no? No, it didn't even go wide. The, okay, the that's what I was kind of... The algos weren't even scared of this one. Yeah, that's what I kind of... On like for. a CPI, what we mean by it goes wide is actually mm-hmm. you see the SPY, you'll see all of a sudden, you know, you got a nice two cent spread and all of a sudden it's like a 60 cent spread. Yeah. And that's because the algos are like, no. We got to go wide to make up for the risk of getting picked off by another algo. So the algos are looking out for the other algos. They got the market making algos who are like scared of the news algos. Right now they're not scared. They've tightened it back up. But when there's a big CPI number or a major number coming up, they go wide like this. So they put their bids really low and their ass really high, so that they have less of a risk of getting picked off and having a bad outcome from a news algo that's coming through. So it's algos versus algos. I mean that's what this market is. Yeah, and I look for that to see if we're going to get some movement some of the times, right? If I see it yeah. going wide, I'm like, okay, well, time to pay attention. Let's see if they really drive it in one way or the other. Uh, we, but do, definitely- we do have imbalances um, that are leaning mostly to the buy side this morning. So we okay. don't talk about these a lot. But on the option expiration days, they're always interesting. They do flip around, remember. They were sells earlier, and now they flip to buys. So I think that is helping the market to lift up a little bit as people start looking and saying, well, we look like we got a few buyers here this morning. So... Again, there's going to be an hour here before, and so lots of institutional action is going to come in. But with options expiration, you often get some pretty wild opens on these days. Let's go to some earning stocks. we got some to talk about. Let's go to the one that did really a nice push today, HubSpot. Let's go to Hubs first. That's a a nice little daily push here. I'll put the daily candle on the top right here. I'll put a big screen so you guys can just see it first. And then we'll go to some smaller charts here. But EPS at $1.11 beat the $0.82 cent estimate. Sales at $469.66 million beat the $445.58 million estimate. They did raise Q1 EPS. It's a big raise here. Uh, guidance looking good. High end $0.84 cents versus a $0.59 cent estimate. Also raising the revenue outlook. Fiscal year outlook was really good. Fiscal year 23 EPS outlook now $4.24 to $4.32 versus a $2.86 estimate. So definitely a surprise there on that guidance. Pushing HubSpot forward. We'll see if this can keep going. This is the Jason Rasnick favorite. He was calling it out there in the 290s. Oh, was he? Yeah, he's had this one for a while. And I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of like uh, expenses that, you know, we at Benzinga think about cutting. HubSpot is not one of them. What does HubSpot exactly do for Benzinga? So it, it's, it does a lot of marketing. Um, it does a lot of the marketing. Like we run our newsletters out of it. Yeah. We run emails out of it. It does a lot of kind of customer tracking. So think about it like that. It's a customer management software, right? It's, it's like a CRM, but just a little bit different. 
And these stocks came back into favor in January again. You know, this is profitable, so it's not a zombie company. It's profitable. But one thing to consider is trade 90 times earnings. So, I mean, definitely, you know, you're paying for that growth. But you are getting some nice growth there. So, and the earnings here looking pretty good, too, considering, you know, how tough of an environment it's been for some companies. This one looks like it's firing on all cylinders. So, that's impressive. And it's up 43 points, which probably is justified. You're coming into all this major resistance of 412, the high back in July. Um, going back just to recently, we got up to 400, 399. Now we're back up here again. So you do have a lot of congestion around this 400 area. And is this the kind of market where the $400 stock becomes a $450 stock? I'm not so sure we're in that environment here anymore. If it was January 1st, maybe I'd say yes. But we're now six weeks in. Some of these growth stocks had a pretty significant rally here. Um, I'm still a fader of all moves. Yeah, looking at the uh, looking at the pre market action, we did spike up uh, over four ten, uh, just a little bit over four ten. I'd say holding four hundred would be important because that's what's held up a bit as the last hour. I don't know if I'd be bidded at four hundred on this one, uh, but the only other level above this uh, that I could give you guys, you had some highs back in August, and they're a little bit higher than this. Uh, four, four, ten, fifty-six, and four, twelve, fifty. So I say four, eleven. If you're looking, I know a lot of you guys are like four, twelve or four, twenty. <laughs> but uh, that's what I'd be looking at. Uh, if in fact you can hold this four hundred bid, this would be another one too. Where if I did have the, you know, the, the, you know, the guts to buy it off the open, and it, you know, it popped up five, six bucks, and then it came back down through the open. I think I'd be heading for the hills on that one. Uh, but that's a look at HubSpot. All right, let's keep going. Let's go to Applied Materials in, of course, semiconductor space. Uh, Applied Materials EPS here at $2.03, beat the $1.93 estimate. Sales at $6.74 billion, beat the $6.69 billion estimate. They do see Q2 adjusted EPS at $1.66 to $2.02 versus a $1.75 estimate. Sales a little bit higher here on the guidance. That's looking better. $6 billion to $6.8 billion versus $5.86 billion estimate. Applied materials. Earnings are fine. The problem here is, again, you're up at major resistance here. So if you just go out and look at, you know, the monthly chart here, you had the big breakdown. Obviously, we got up 167 at the beginning of 2022. We sold off and probably oversold down to $71. But now you've had a significant rally off those lows. And where we broke down from, if we go back into April of uh, last year, was the 120 area. And then we broke down. We haven't been able to get back up over there, really, 124.92 the high from a few weeks ago, but this is still 120 area, still major resistance for applied materials. So, and again, with me predicting an overall choppy market, I think you're just going to kind of maybe go sideways on a stock like this too. So I can't be, I'm not in this market where I'm buying breakouts or selling breakdowns. I'm in this market where I'm actually fading those. So, and again, earnings can take us anywhere, but overall, if you're fading moves here, you're doing better than the person who's chasing at least. And that's the way it's been for a long time. Contrary okay. market. Yeah. Uh we'll just uh we'll go back to my charts here. We just got a little pop up to 119.50. That came up this shy 119.46. But it looks this looks like a pesky area too. Um I give it a little bit more room. 121.29 uh was your high. So that whole 120 area, I have to agree with you, Dennis. Uh you had the break off the recent high of the move. You're battling your way back, other daily highs there. Not a great you know, market right today, 
of course, the the overall complexion of the market can change, but I, I'd respect that. And then um, if this one goes red on the session, uh, there were people more than willing to whoop up on it um, in the uh, in the after hours as you traded under 114. But uh, keep an eye on yesterday's low at 115.14. All right, let's move to now. Uh, let's go to Deer. Deer's earnings. Yep. This one's always a uh, a fun one to talk about with Dennis. I know he how he feels. I'm embarrassed since 440. <laughs> this was a good report. This is the only one. That, I think the only stock I've ever been like on Dennis, and I'd be like, I just don't see what you see, my friend. I just don't see it. But that's that's why I've it's a right. market, right? I've been hey, right you though. Have. 440 you was the day I turned bearish because Kramer turned bullish at 440 when I had the <laughs> breakout that day, and I was like, "This feels like upside capitulation." Was the oh, you got day, the Kramer help. right from the hop? So, so, and and again, people, I've been wrong about a lot of things. I've been right on deer. So even though the report is not great, this thing has leaked. It's now down 10 percent from where I've been bearish at, uh, and down 10 percent from where Kramer was bullish at. It was that day we gapped up. You can go back and find the show. The November day when we went from four ten up, we gapped up, and that's when Kramer was like, "Yep, this is going to be the you know." It was all bull rah rah because whenever the stock mm -hmm. gaps up, he's bullish, and it just felt like upside capitulation that day. And we've been shopping around for a long time, slowly leaking down. But you know what? The earnings are still good. They've held up, yeah, and you know, unbelievably, I keep thinking the earnings are going to fall off, and they haven't here. So you know, here it is popping up again. But I'm not sure I'm coming in and buying it. I'm staying still on the bear train here, the slow leak down for deer. But, I mean, the earnings are good. EPS $6.55 beat $5.56 estimate. Sales at $12.65 billion beat the $11.28 billion estimate. Equipment margins rose 20% versus 11% year over year. And net income outlook $8.75 billion to $9.25 billion. And I would also take a look at the other names in this space, of course. We can take a look at that. I'll let Joel give the outlook on Deer. But Picard has continued to run. That hasn't turned around. Uh, I I think I'm going to side with Dennis on this one here. Uh, you you know you had a night hanging out near 440 all that time, and then you had a good break. You more than filled the earnings gap, right? And I think there's still a lot of people that are thinking, well, you know, 420 wouldn't be bad. I mean, this stock, you know, in October was at 340. If I can get this 420, I once again using the 420 number. If you're really looking for a juicy target, 423.39 on the upside, and that's just about halfway back of this move. Um, as bullish as this stock has been, right? And you're looking at the chart in the all-time high. This is your monthlies. So this is this is actually, you know, down. Are they actually down months here? Let's look at it. Yeah. Uh, you made that high in November, and you, so you're working on your third your third down month in a row. So that, yeah, that's I'm telling you, I've been right about this one. You know, I've been wrong about a lot of things, but I've been right on this one so far. The only thing is, I would say is look at that Picard chart and Cat. They're still holding up really decent. There, they're low PEs. So this is the one thing that they have going for it is there's still this gravitation overall to low PE. Yes, that's come off a little bit in January, but uh, it's still got that going for it. I keep thinking the earnings are going to fall off a cliff, so I've been wrong about that. This quarter was Ooh. decent here again, but the stock price action is telling me that I'm still right to still stay bearish on deer. Uh, but the PEs, I mean, CAT's got a low PE as well. Again, what people don't consider is that these earnings are cyclical, and if we do eventually go into a recession, which I still think is on the table, 
I think these earnings are going to come off. But my prediction is still sideways. I'm going sideways, market neutral on everything. I've been leaning in the, you know, the bull camp here for a little bit. I'm moving completely sideways. I've been pretty neutral here for a while, though. Um, you know, I've, I've got the overall holding a lot of cash because I don't think there's a lot of value here in this market. There is some in pockets of value, but I don't want to be fooled by low P's on consumer cyclicals because I know how that works. If you go into a tougher time, those P's start to go up very quickly because those E's come down. The the CAD setup is uh, a little bit more interesting to me just because you got more of a consolidation period. And mm-hmm. you know what consolidations, you know, lead to? Uh, they lead to, you know, new moves. So you got to assume, and I'm just saying assuming here is, you know, consolidation after a major move up. You break out of the top of the consolidation. Let's call it 252. Well, then you maybe go back up, challenge that all-time high. I think you break out, and I think this would be partially market-dependent. You break down through the bottom of the consolidation at uh, 242, and you got a little bit more downside there. But a little bit more of a discernible chart. That, this is just kind of, I don't know, this looks like I'm just kind of, what do we call this? Like ready to fall off a cliff chart, you know, just kind of huh. hanging in there. I think people but will be selling. Under 240, tally. you'd think that. But again, we're not in this market where stuff is breaking down. The breakdowns no. don't have fall. The breakouts aren't having fall. Through certain stocks, it's always going to be the case. But I feel like we're still sideways here so just be cautious getting too directional on any given stock here think about that sideways action think about five six seven percent gains and booking them it's not a bad way to trade right now yeah one stock definitely hit me today i did a a little swing into earnings and i very rarely do it it was a very small position but i just thought i'd give it a a world it was DraftKings. look at that pounding me today did you go uh, shorted or long? Yeah, I went shorted, Dennis. You went short in the report. <laughs> a little scary. That's how it happens sometimes, team. Oh, yeah. I, I tell you guys no. I let good, you guys man. know when I lose. Hey, we all lose sometimes, right? EPS, he had a loss of 53 cents. I wanted to stop you for a second because it's a great point. We all lose yeah. sometimes. I lose every single day. Every single day I lose on trades. Every single day I win on trades. It's a matter of balancing it out. If I win and on 52% of my trades... I've got a casino edge here. If Mm -hmm. I went on 55% of my trades, I'm killing it. If I went on 60% of my trades, I'm absolutely kicking ass. So, I mean, you've got to go through. You're not going to win on them all. And what will define you as a trader is not how much you make on your winners. It's how much you lose on your losers. It's right back to the discipline. Cut those losers. Um, Again, this is a tough market. Because you're being chopped up. And so, you know, that's why you've got to almost be buying dips. Because if you're buying the rips and then it pulls back, well, then you're getting chopped up. So just know know the range to a certain extent here. But it's quite all right to be wrong. It's not quite all right to stay wrong. Street leaning the right way into this report. 16 bucks to begin the week. Uh, Almost closed over 18. Probably would have if the market wouldn't have rolled over. Uh, You're just bouncing at the psychological number. 20 bucks is your pre-market high. You hit that two 15-minute brackets. You do, uh, I don't know, a lot of people are probably using this as a target. Nothing really at 20. You're going to fill a little gap here. If you're looking for more, 2068 was the uh, August 18th high, and uh, boy, that would be a not really nice, juicy target. That the stock uh, ended last year at 1139, and I I know there's one person that's happy about that, and I know he started buying 
a little bit higher, but uh, <laughs> Sean Udall has been on this. Udall, I had Sean, a feeling. Yeah, yeah, I had a feeling you were going to go to Sean. Yeah, Sean, Sean, I, <laughs> I got him back. I got him on the, the closing print last week, and he. Uh, we'll see if we can get him back on next week. But this, this is one he's been talking about. Definitely been talking about it from higher prices. That, but you know, his mode of investing is. Uh, don't frown average down. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so. I know. That's that's something I don't do. Uh, but, you know, everybody's got their own edges here. Exactly. So. exactly. And he's entering smaller, and then he's averaging into positions. He's doing it in a different way. Long-term time frame. Tea, but he seems to do okay with it. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. Door trash backing up. Let's go to the door trash. DoorDash earnings here, EPS at $1.65, loss down from $0.45 cent loss year over year. Sales at $1.81 billion, beat the $1.77 billion estimate. DoorDash, though, approved a repurchase program of up to $750 million in shares. I'm still saying this, guys. Why not just give it back to the shareholders? I don't know. I don't know about all these repurchase programs out there. Because they, they buy them at really bad prices. They're historically really bad at it. So, And I've given this argument on the show before, too. I'm right with you, Mitch. I'd rather have a special dividend than a share. Yeah, return. just give me that. <laughs> give me the money. Give, you me know, a give me the mobilized shares, Intel. Let, allow me to control my mobilized shares. You controlling them does nothing for me. Mobileye goes up 50% the last month, and Intel goes down. That I mean, has to be. Is, this is just, I'm, I'm so mad about that. I'm never going to get over it, Joel. I don't no. think so and, either. Because no. I, I, I was, owned Intel a lot of well, That's one of the reasons I owned it. One of the reasons I owned it. I, owned it. I, I know. Oh, still own Mobileye. BS. <laughs> I got crap. BS. I know. I don't see any gains in my Intel shares because of Mobileye. I, I see absolutely nothing. I see absolutely nothing. No, I know. that. That Whatever. You know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, this is really interesting because you, you had a drop and a pop, right? So they bought it up and then they took it up. I don't think you're going to see either of those levels. I wonder what the straddle was on this one. Uh, but 77.02, if you uh, want to sell it there, get your order out there. I'd go uh, 76.99. And uh, if you want to buy it, uh, the low was 62.73. I'd put my order out there at 63 to trim the edges. But what I like about this, let's just forget we're pre-market. We look at the pre-market action. Forget, you know, whatever we've learned and taught you about pre-market after hours action. High of the moves been 70 bucks, right? You're up 246. Pretty wide open. If they can get this thing 70 bid, I wouldn't want to be shorter. There's not much between 70 and 75. Uh, if you're shortness off the open, already I, 70 bid though, Joe. I'm gonna is there already 70 bid? Look, look at the pre market or after hours action, it was up over 76. Well, that but the liquidity's not in yet. I see, no, but I, 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 oh, I, 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 it's probably gonna get. I'm just saying it's 69.33 right now, right? I would say, okay, I'm just looking, that's the high of the move right now. I'm trying to discount that information. I'm not saying 70 is going to hold by any of the stretch of the imagination, but just looking at the daily levels, 70 was your high there. And then I'm just trying to give people reasonable targets ahead of the pre-market high. You could easily see 72.03. That was your August 17th high. I, I mean, that's just, I'm just trying to give the levels above. I like it above 70 and to get 70 bid. Last print I see right now is 69.30. So that, that's why I'm saying that. All right, last stock that we can go to, a stock that got hit today is Moderna. Moderna Ooh. taking a hit here, and I definitely think 
It's an important one. Looks like the influenza candidate did not achieve oh. and had mixed, mixed signals there from their phase three safety results. Um, so definitely getting hit on this. Keep your eyes on it. It could keep coming down today. I was even thinking about Moderna overall for a long. This just scared me away. Dennis, I'll let you tackle this one, man. Here's the problem. No man's land. And again, just let's move away from the stock and just talk about it fundamentally here for a second. So they're working on a flu vaccine, which, you know, is cool. But the problem is, and they were saying it on CNBC yesterday, is it makes you sick when you take it. And they, and they admitted that, that you don't feel good after you take it. Well, I mean, the flu typically makes you feel sick for a day or two sometimes, and that's it. So I'm going to take a shot to not get the flu but the shot's going to make me feel bad for a day or two. It's like the, the, the risk-reward here is like I'm going to feel bad no matter what if I take that shot, but I have a chance I don't get the flu. So, I mean, some of these other flu vaccines don't work that way. So if it's going to make me feel sick, I don't want to take it because I have a very low risk of having complications from the flu. Um, you know, And obviously, maybe there's some older people that have a higher risk, and maybe they are going to take it. But the average majority of the population isn't going to die from the flu. So I think it turns people off when you actually admit that it's going to make you not feel good for a day or two. It's like, well, why don't I just get the flu and I won't feel good for a day or two? So what's the benefit? That's the problem. And that's, that's a concern for me. So uh, I do like the stock fundamentally because they have run the company so well. The reason I'm not in it is I still think there's going to be a significant decline in revenues because not too many people are going to get the jab going forward. Well, you know, there's another fundamental problem with this. Not and this is purely, uh, in, you know, talking to Lisa. I mean, she's seeing some flu, but she's not not seeing the kind of flu that you know you've seen in recent years. It's, it's been lower. pushed out by COVID. We all got out and did so much, and we've all kind of yeah. you know, contaminated ourselves so much here now. <laughs> so the flu isn't even as prevalent as it once was. That, It'll come yeah. back hard next year, probably. Yeah, but. yeah, no, that I mean, she sees people, and you know, they 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 call on the weekend and. You know, it's, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's tried, you know, whatever you do, the virtual phone call or whatever and mm -hmm. make the diagnosis. I mean, it's still, I'm not saying it's still not out there and the people that are still not getting it, but it's just, uh, it's just, uh, it's not, a you know, in different areas, it may, uh, you know, it may be rearing its uh, ugly head more, but uh, that's just another fundamental reason. Technicals, boy, oh boy, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you the pre-market low in Moderna. That's 160. So I'd give, I'd give that as just a, a soft two star. Uh, you got one daily low there or just under that 159.06, but you can see where I'm looking here in, uh, in early November, those lows are just so far apart of each other. I don't, I don't see any two in the same area you know, where I could give you like a, you know, even like a two star or a three star. But right now we'll look at that November 8th low, 159.06. We'll look at the pre-market low, 160, and we'll call that support until it's breached. And then coming back on the upside, I'm sure a lot of people would like to see the lower end of uh, yesterday's range, which is right near the close. 171.59 was the, uh, was the low and 72.31. Uh, was the close now you know don't don't ever rule out i mean these stocks can do a lot of different things so you know if you hold it out i mean if you're long and you're stuck you just want to get out get out but could could see a rally here in moderna uh 
the the bull case is that they, you know, it's the great, the best run company here. I think there's a play to be long Moderna and short BioNTech. I think there's a play there, short BNTX and long mRNA. And again, it's hard to, you know, when you start getting the pairs trades, it's hard to cut out on them because yeah. you know you've got two directionals, you got them going. So it sucks when one starts going the wrong, you start putting it on the wrong way. But I've thought that for a while, buying Moderna and short BNTX against it, just saying Moderna is the better company. Because I think overall, I think revenues are going to drop because I think the COVID shots, people aren't going to take them as much. I mean, you can't just look and say, oh, they're making this and they're going to continue to make this. This was when we were coming to the pandemic, everybody's getting that shot. There's so many people knocking the shot now. My parents both said they're knocking the shot anymore. And they had five of them already, but they're done with it now. They're not going to get any more COVID shots going forward. There's a lot of people who aren't going to get the COVID shots every six months. Um, there's some people that will, but a lot of people are moving from getting the shot for sure to not getting the shot. You can just see it, you know, and just talk to people around you. That is a problem for Moderna. That is a problem for Pfizer, but Pfizer is a lot smaller part of their revenue. It's a chunk, though. Um, so it makes me scared to just flat out own these things. But maybe if you want to own Moderna and you want to participate in the, other, in the good management of the company, Maybe it's long Moderna and short like a BNTX. Maybe that's the way to do it. BNTX just clinging to this 140 area and it's shaking now down a buck 29, multiple lows in this area. I think it goes a lot lower BNTX. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's looking like it's busting through uh, the lows that it's had, uh, that it had since, um, Boy, he's been holding this area since uh, the middle of January, and uh, it's just been kind of sleepy. I mean, these stocks had their day, right? And uh, they did. They That's did. it. Yeah, we're not in the pandemic anymore. Maybe we're going to go into another pandemic, but oh, I don't. You know, maybe it's going to happen where the next COVID, you know, mutation all of a sudden becomes violent and ends up killing a lot of people or something that could happen but i don't see it happening it seems to have weakened itself to a point it sucks believe me i had COVID. i had COVID, and i, I and again you know my wife had and she bounced back in two days i was like a hundred days with the damn cough it wasn't that i was majorly sick but i could not break that cough and i was coughing and coughing and then i was like talking to other people They're like sometimes that COVID cough just lingers so it does suck to get it but uh, you know, again, I, think, I was vaccinated. I think what we need to do, it. though, so is, then I'm like, I don't know. So I think again, and I, it pisses people off when I say I that. I think it's important to not downplay it, though. Let's just be honest. You can you can say that you don't want to get the vaccine. That's okay, but we shouldn't downplay COVID because at the end of the day, There's millions some who still could die. die. From it too. And if millions still die. If you are older person, if you have yeah. you know health conditions, I think yeah. you know maybe you should so. get the shot. You know, you're, yeah, everybody's got to make their own decisions. So we're not going to make the decision exactly. for you on pre-market prep. For me, I got the four shots. You know, I did four of them. Um, and I had a pretty rough time with COVID. So going forward here, I was like, you know what? I'm probably not going to do another shot. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll change my mind and maybe I will get another shot. But I just don't feel like doing it every six months uh, going forward. If I would have, if I would have just like went through it, you know, like no problems at all, sailed through it. I'd be like, yeah, maybe. But I, I, I don't know if the shot helped me that much. And maybe it was just me. Maybe it helps mm-hmm. other people. So I don't know. But I'm telling you, that mentality, because we're talking about the stock here now, yes, that yeah, mentality yep. is starting to lean to, I'm not going to get a shot for COVID every six months. And that is going to hurt BioNTech, is going to hurt Pfizer. 
Uh, but Pfizer, again, is a smaller portion, such a big company, Pfizer, and it's going to hurt Moderna. And that's why I don't want to straight up invest in these companies right now. All right. I'm just going to sneak out of here in a very quiet pre-market session. Uh, just alert our traders and investors that on the downside, uh, you have uh, the pre-market low, uh, 63 and a quarter. And last, last Friday's low. We never got a look at it because it took place in the pre-market session at uh, at sixty seventy five. So very important area for the bulls to defend. Uh, on the upside, uh, we've been struggling right here at mid range on the session. So uh, I think you get above that, I definitely see a little pop, and then after that, uh, the closing price of uh, ninety nine seventy five, which is interesting, is that you had the follow through, you had the closing print of ninety nine seventy five, and then you had the lower open right ninety five and a half, and then you never saw that closing price. So that's be that's uh, I don't know about forty one hundred or forty one twenty, but I think a win for the bulls today would get that back over last Friday's closing price at uh, 41.9975. So I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to go to pre-market prep plus cover some symbols over there. I'm sure. uh, going to be back at, um, at 10:30 pre-market prep with stock odds. And uh, I got a special guest uh, coming on the closing print guys. So uh, pay attention to my Twitter feed. Someone we haven't talked to in a while. And I think uh, you guys really miss them. So I'll be back later on. Everyone have a good day. All right, Joel's getting out of here, team, and uh, we're going to wrap up here. I did see a question in the chat. Ask me about what I think about the SPY today. And you guys know I draw the rule of three all the time on my live trading show. And so the pattern here has now broken below the 408. I think an important level is the one that Joel was looking at also. He said like the 4100s. I'm just looking 410 on the SPY. If you reclaim 410, yeah, I think you can drive this market higher. But it could start using 408 as resistance. We have an hourly candle that went to 408.34. Look to see if 408 start acting as resistance. That's what I think could get us right back down. But are we going right back down to 390s? No, I wouldn't say that either. But I do see like 402s, 400 in reach for pullbacks if we do start coming down. I think what you get you back to that 400, 402, I think you're a buyer. I think you get up to that 410, mm -hmm. 412 area you're talking about, Mitch. I think you're a seller. I think yeah, I, you I just got it. I think we're going to go sideways for a bit here. I think it punishes the maximum amount of participants. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the people who are rah, rah, bullish are just going to get chopped up. I think the people who are rah, rah, bearish are going to get chopped up. I think you just got to be taking the small gains, the small moves. I don't see us really going major places here for a while unless we get a major geopolitical event, which can change everything. And that's usually to the downside. Or, you know, maybe we just slowly climb the wall of worry. But I think we climb in a choppy, choppy way. So I think the the play still is obviously going to be some individual names that get the beats. But overall in the market, I think we go sideways. Definitely. We'll have to wait and see. I think one of the ones that I will be watching is, of course, the Tesla Dragon because it's been a dragon. Will it come back here towards the 208s, 210s, or will we get the flush down through the 190? Remember, I was short earlier at 211.30s, had the cover as we came back through my level, and now I'm going to be watching it. We'll see. I mean, Tesla is definitely a dragon I don't want to get in front of, but if it starts to turn around, who knows? I think an important one to watch also is Microsoft. It's been weak the last sure. three days. Yeah. If that can come back into the green, maybe the market comes back. But if you see Microsoft still getting hit, that's something to keep an eye out. We'll see what happens. Like always, you guys can keep up with all the action Triple D does on Twitter. Give them the follow at Triple D Trader. 
We'll see you next time, my friend. Have Thanks, a good Money weekend. Mitch. Have a great and enjoy weekend. Enjoy the Happy Monday options. off, right? Monday we have Monday off. off Three-day weekend here. Party what? time. Party, party. All right. Have a good one, Dennis. See you, Money good to have you on, my friend. Take care. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to get to the action. Let's go looking. We got live trading coming up next and all access on there. And a special interview, Bullfrog AI. Yes, an AI stock on live trading, all access. Don't miss that. That's coming up next. And, of course, this weekend, we're going to keep going further and further in trading in the zone. I'm excited to keep going through it. We got another book that's going to be coming soon, right? We're almost done with trading in the zone, believe it or not. We're going to keep going through many books this year. If you guys want to go ahead and keep up in your reading and up in your skills, whether that be in retirement, psychology, patterns, we're going to take a look at all different types of book. We'll see you guys on the book club. I'm throwing up the link and bringing you guys over now to live trading action that's starting up just now. All right. And uh, you guys can still see Spencer. I heard he's the executive producer now at All Star Charts and that team. So if you guys want to check out Spencer, definitely give him the ad on Twitter. Keep up with some of the things that Spencer Israel does, like always. I'll see you guys on live trading. That's starting up now.